Miller's Netter, just talking to teachers. Talking to teachers about academic research and evidence-based practice with continuing professional development at PNA1977 on Twitter. Miller's Netter, just talking to teachers. Hello everybody, welcome to this episode of Naylor's Natter with me, Emma Turner, where I'm interviewing the absolutely marvellous flamingo of hope that it is, Ray Snape. Welcome, Hello. Ray. Hi, hi Emma, how are you doing? Very well, thank you. I loved our off-air chat about chartered colleges and ministers for education and COVID and, and uh, nights out. <laughs> we're, 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 living, we're living through marvellous times. We are indeed, we are indeed. So... We're going to have a chat about all sorts of things today because your career is varied. It is fascinating and it is so exciting. And I just, I'm really pleased that everyone's going to get to hear about the work that you're doing because I absolutely adore everything that you do. I remember meeting you or seeing you first time at a Bruhead, Bruhead Hearts, and I whispered to Claire, my colleague who was with at the time, I went, I want to be her. <laughs> That's very sweet. And, uh, um, bit weird but there we go thank you <laughs> i just you did that thing they did that presentation with the chocolate box about being a head oh, yes yeah pretending the typewriter yeah and i was absolutely howling and i was just said to her, oh i think she's my spirit animal anyway for those of you who haven't had the pleasure of seeing you type on a chocolate box typewriter or speaker to Bruhead and may not have come across your work before do you want to give us a little bit of a rundown of of your career to date? Goodness, yeah, I will try. So um, I've been in edu I've been teaching for a th about a thousand years, um, <laughs> and the bit that I can re more recently remember is that I've been in senior leadership for twenty years, five years as a deputy head, and now about fifteen years as a head teacher. But you can't, I'm not reliable on maths, so if somebody wants to set me right, that's fine. <laughs> it feels like that. I think it's about right. It's approximately right. <laughs> and whereabouts do you work? So I work as a head teacher and national leader of education uh, at Milton Road Primary School in Cambridge, and I move schools in January. Are you still in the same trust, though? Uh, so no, so um, we uh, were never part of a trust when I was at the Spinney, um, but we had a teaching school alliance. That's what I'm after, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and you but, I, yeah, so there, yes, exactly. And I remember coming to see you down at, in, in Cambridge at one of your festivals, which we'll talk about in a minute. Um, but the the thing about that festival when i came to it it was like nothing i'd ever been to before because the whole thing is that, is that a good thing or a bad thing really good really <laughs> good really good it was, just checking. <laughs> it was brilliant i must admit there were moments where i thought am i in a parallel universe <laughs> in a good way <laughs> but it was such a positive day unbelievably oh, uplifting so yeah. positive so many people just smiling and enjoying everything and you are known ray for being a real positive voice in education um, and you. you've, you've done some, a couple of keynotes for me for new ed on um this idea of being the flamingo of hope not the yeah. lemming of despair and I, That's think, right. I just think listeners should, should hear this right well um Oh, well, where can we start? So I was thinking about this is it actually started on Twitter before the Flamingo of Hope came into uh, existence as the motif. Uh, there were a few of us talking, talking. I say talking, you know what it's like on Twitter. You feel yeah. like you're really having a conversation. And uh, there were a few of us. Uh, Matt Governor was one of them. And, um, and, and various others. And we were we were chatting on Saturday about why we loved our jobs and why it was great to be in education so there were teachers and me as a head teacher and a governor and we started to think about this idea of being optimistic and having optimistic ed optimistic about the job but also optimistic about the role that we play in transforming society and the opportunities that we can give our young people and so the first version of what turned into the festival was an idea to have an optimistic education festival that was not talking so much about the deficits that we know are 
uh, there in education. We know that there's scandalous underfunding. We know that teachers aren't valued anywhere near as much as they should be. And surely COVID has really shone a light on that. But just this idea there were some things to celebrate and to be optimistic about in education. And then Cambridgeshire, um, the previous director of education, his name was Keith Grimwade. He said he had this idea of doing a festival. And uh, Helena Marsh and I got our heads together with a couple of other people. And we thought, well, let's, why don't we take on this challenge to put on a festival? Uh, or rather, to, I think the idea was to put on a conference. And we said, well, let's put on a festival, an education festival. And we were talking together and talking about this idea of having something that would really encourage people to see the positive in education. And somewhere along the line, this idea of teachers being flamingos of hope rather than lemmings of despair, because we know that misery loves misery. And the more you talk about how dreadful the job is, and you find more people to talk about how dreadful the job is, you, you create this um, stampede of, uh, of, of pessimism. And uh, the alternative, as I was thinking one day, what would counteract these lemmings tipping themselves over the edge? What, what could stand up against these lemmings of doom or lemmings of despair and the idea of a flamingo of hope would be the, 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 the antithesis, I suppose. And that's where it came from. I absolutely love it. And the whole motif thing, it keeps cropping up everywhere, not only at your festival, festival, I, just, I, I quite like the word of festival. That sounds like we'd be eating something delicious as well as, celebrating i said that this is a family thing because when my brother was very little he couldn't say the word festival <laughs> and he used to say festival and it's a running joke in our house about the harvest festival now you've said it to the nation i have the harvest festival <laughs> anyway so yeah i love the idea of this flamingo because it pops up everywhere at your festival and well, you've even got your famous flamingo dress now. Yes, that's right. I've got a few from, I've got three flamingo dresses now. <laughs> and I remember walking into Camzed Fest and it was just a festival of flamingos. And I'll never forget my friend Tom Sherrington looking completely bemused in the corner. <laughs> yes. yes. Well, it was great to have Tom. And, uh, and he did wear a colourful shirt. He did. I've got, that's the first time I ever met him. And obviously I do the podcast with him now. But I've got a photograph of me completely fangirling him outside <laughs> of Cam's Edmonds with And he oh. randomly holding a bouquet of flowers as well. It looks like we've just got married. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Were they paper flowers? Because we did, we did give off... We did give the flowers away at the end of the event. It's actually, a, I'll send you the photo, it's, it's actually a bunch, bunch of flowers. I don't know where right. they come from, but there's right. me and Tom grinning. I'm in a bright pink jacket outside your festival. Him, he's looking very uncomfortable. Thinking, Who is this woman? What am I doing? I, I do think I need to see this. In oh, fact, could, you put it, could you put it on Twitter for everyone's delight? Check with Tom if he's happy first. It was on Twitter at the time because I was like, oh, oh. Sherrington. Oh. oh, just funny how the future turns out. Anyway, so you mentioned kind of a little bit about the festival, but what was the background to it and what's the ethos of it? If people wanted to get involved in yeah. Fest, what would could they yeah. expect? What's it about? Well, so we... When uh, Susie uh, Young and I tried to design it, we thought about what it would be like when you're leaving the festival. What's the experience we wanted to give people? And we wanted people to feel excited, inspired and appreciated because we wanted to give teachers something that felt like a hug mm -hmm. and we love you, we think you're great, you are great, you're doing good things. And we wanted it to be genuinely a celebration of teachers and teaching. And that's really, in a nutshell, all that it's about, a celebration of teachers and teaching. So everything that we designed about it was to give people something like an immersive experience of being at a festival. So we went to 
um, we we went out to people that could help us with a, a tent, a bit like Glastonbury tent and the great big flags like you might see at WOMAD or Glastonbury and even have the big cutout letters that says Flamingo. And Flamingo is a lovely word that um, Lucy Rycroft Smith came up with after the first one and she said, it's a mingling of flamingos, so of flamingos, so it's a flamingo, and that became our, our hashtag. So it's, it's kept iterating. But going back really to your question, we in the very first year that we did it in 2017, we had it at Anglia Ruskin University, and somebody came over to Susie and she said, I don't know what people have been doing here. So it was one of the students at Anglia Ruskin or whoever it was. She says, I don't know what has been going on here, but everybody looks as if they've had a brilliant spa day. <laughs> and so it, it's an emotional and intellectual spa day. It is. And I, um, it was just the most uplifting day. And I think I laughed all day and smiled all day. And I'll never forget you kicking off the festival by standing up on that stage and shouting, put your hands up if you are proud to be an educator. And I was like, yeah. <laughs> and it was absolutely brilliant. But then you've got really amazing lectures and seminars by like Janet Goodall and Guy Claxton yeah, and Tom Sherrington right. and Emma Kell and Adrian Bethune. Yeah. You've got some really fabulous. Yeah rich content as well so it was kind of like you say the this wonderful kind of intellectual feeding and yes, also right. kind of spiritual yeah and that, that's absolutely i mean i'm you're getting i'm getting goosebumps <laughs> that that is genuinely what we want to do is that we populate it with uh, we curate it with people that really have amazing things to say about education like professor guy claxton and, um, and, and Tom Sherrington and, and, and some of that real rich um, experience, intellectual, interesting experience to hear from these people. But then we also think very carefully about uh, things like um, that people are going to wear flamboyant flamingo dresses, that they're going to have this sense of craziness and fun and creativity and... Um, and that there's going to be bubble blowers and there's going to be juggling as we had at the last one. There's, there's going to be whittling and sitting around a, um, a campfire and learning about outdoor learning. We're going to have songs. We're going to learn about drama. It's the, it, it, uh, it's people bringing their whole authentic self mm -hmm. to the, festival feeling this sense of immersion within it and not as some conf well not conferences but teacher training is, is such an agenda that can feel very heavy and top down and it hits you in your head rather than gets you in your heart and in your legs and uh, so there's dancing there's glasses of wine at the end of the festival there's uh, singing and general mucking about uh, David <laughs> David Whitebread, who was possibly the original, original Lego professor uh, from the Play Education Development and Learning at the Faculty of Education, he says the problem with life is that there's not enough mucking about. So people love a bit of mucking about and there's no harm in it. And there was that amazing waffle man at the end of the <laughs> <laughs> Waffles, ice cream. All oh, that stuff. It was awesome. It was absolutely brilliant. I did come away thinking my head hurts, but my heart is full. <laughs> As is my could, could I? Could you? Could you write that down for me somewhere? Because that make great testimonial for the website. <laughs> my head hurts. My heart is full, and so is my tummy. <laughs> um. So you, we talked about Camzed Fest, um. But one of the things that you're really passionate about in terms of creativity and, and intellectual development is about curriculum yeah um and especially creativity and and the arts in curriculum so yeah. we're at a point now where people are talking about catch-up curriculums and sort of narrowed offers and all sorts of things so what are your thoughts about challenge current challenges to creativity um both within covid and then sort of more widely yeah so i think there are 
there are challenges potentially to creativity, um, but we need to recognize that teachers are just brilliant at finding a way through this and they know how to deliver curricula that is in the best interest of their children. And so I am so impressed by what I see on Twitter and what I see in my own school for teachers who, it, even if it's not possible to take children on educational visits, are still making sure that children are having their Viking day, their Roman day, their immersion days, uh, they're making papier-mâché Viking helmets or whatever it is. I, I, teachers are still, from what I can see, committed pedagogically to a rounded education. And although there are limits because of COVID, there are no limits to brilliant teachers. And I think that this is where teachers really demonstrate their skill and their craft because where there's a will, they find a way. Um, so, I, so I, certainly in the in the future, we, we all look forward to being able to do more. But I don't, I don't think it's, um, I don't think it, it's as bad as it could be because teachers are so caring about the children and finding a way to make sure that the days are enjoyable as well as uh, lots of learning taking place. In in terms of the because you because you've asked about the sort of the longer term picture a bit like everybody at the moment i'll just uh put the pound in the jar because i'm about to say the word ofsted <laughs> uh, because of the way things are moving around curriculum and what ofsted are looking at deep dives and so on i know that Everywhere across the country, heads, senior leaders, teachers are looking at their curriculum. And we're still going, well, I started in January, but we're going on a bit of a journey with our curriculum uh, design. And uh, marvellous Professor Dylan Williams has helped, I've helped a lot by, with his piece around the purpose of education and his summary about how when the question is asked to hundreds of people effectively the answers come down to four broad categories as he says so we've got education as preparation for work preparation for citizenship cultural transmission personal empowerment and at milton road there is this lovely piece of text that was within the original website which said where learning is an adventure and I wanted to surface that as a really great hook for how we would do our curriculum design. And then the idea that comes from the OECD's learning framework about a compass that the children would have to guide them through their learning. And the north, south, east and west of the compass would be that the west would be where the scholastic learning academic subjects would be taught then we've got on the east, the creative side, um, the humanity side as well. Um, and then in the, the south is the piece about personal identity, uh, belonging, PSHT, um, understanding about empathy, tolerance, those sorts of values. And then in, this, in the north of the education is where our young people are going to be in the future and that piece around citizenship. So aligning that with Valerie Hannan's Thrive model, which is the personal, the interpersonal, the societal and the global. So the personal is the South, the East, the connections, the interpersonal, the cultural transmission. The North is societal and global about how to be a great citizen. And then the West is that scholastic learning adventure and that's the model that we're starting to develop using a place-based curriculum um, which if um, as many of your listeners will know the RSA did a great piece about place-based curricula Peterborough uh, is one of the examples that um, has implemented this approach and I'm starting to work with the city museums and other partners within Cambridge so that we can do a map for our children which will be something along the lines of 50 objects 
people places in Cambridge to create a story of the city. And it very much builds on the work of the WHA, the Youth Hostelling Association, uh, 50, uh, 50 uh, things to do between four and three quarters, 11 and three quarters. And it also draws on the idea, if you remember the series, uh, History of the World in a Hundred Objects. And so it's just about putting all those ideas together so that there is this creativity that the children and this will in, uh, encounter, plus the cultural um, capital that they're going to encounter. But alongside, we're going to hit all those key objectives within the statutory national curriculum for history and geography oh, i love that and there's a really neat alignment have you you know unesco's four pillars of learning have you seen those yes i have yeah we used to base our curriculum at our school around those so we translated the four pillars into learning learning to know learning to yes we had learning to know learning to do learning to be and then learning to live together yes wonderful society yeah wonderful that's right yeah exactly right love <laughs> <laughs> that right so you know when you said peterborough yes I genuinely thought for one second that you meant that people were going to study peter <laughs> Right. <laughs> well, they might. No, they might study study Peterborough. Peterborough, but I don't know enough about Peterborough to know whether it's particularly. Oh, I'm sure it is. So the RSA's place-based <laughs> curriculum. One of the examples is a Peterborough curriculum. So you could check that out. I need to go and have a look. And you do. And you do a lot of research, as I have now discovered. I did. Um, off, off air, Ray was very impressed that I actually done some research, Phil, for tonight. Yeah. I was Googled. I don't think I've ever been Googled in that way before. <laughs> oh, bless you. So, a part of my Googling then, I watched you on an interview. Um, nice segue, Emma. Beautiful segue. That was lovely, wasn't it? <laughs> I almost got away with it as well. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I watched you via my yeah. Google um, yeah. in an interview with Jim Knight. And then when I first read yeah. it, I thought it was going to be Jim Knight, oh, he of the instructional coaching. But yes. It was, it was a different Jim Knight. Yes. But and I have to be careful when I say Jim Knight because I do a lot of work around instructional coaching. And every time I say Jim Knight, I don't say Jim Knight. Do you know what I say? Jim Kerr. <laughs> I've got like a mental block. I have to say Jim Knight. I introduced <laughs> okay. instructional coaching having been founded by Jim Kerr, the lead singer of Singapore. Oh my goodness. You might need to see somebody about that. I know, I've got, you know when you've just got a mental block about yes. something? Yeah, it was me. It's Jim Knight. Jim okay. Kerr. Anyway, the non-Jim Knight. Yes. Jim Knight, the other Jim Knight. The other Jim Knight. Uh, you were interviewed about the use of tech in education, weren't you? And, and yes. intelligence and um, how tech could be used really yeah. effectively. And the point that you made in that interview, I found absolutely fascinating. You're thinking, what did I say now? Aren't you? Well, I think I know what I said, but I'm interested to see if I remember rightly. It was a bit about um, hand, handwriting stuff. Yeah. And technical technical competency in like day-to-day -day competence with children and, and having to build on that i've explained yeah. that really badly so you yeah <laughs> well, I'm not, I, yeah well I, I am just mega frustrated about the way that we're not really um encouraged from let's say from dfe policy to fully integrate and embrace the potential of digital technologies to support children, perhaps with special educational needs, perhaps highly gifted children that could write five times quicker by just using the technology that adults are using all the time. And the, the fact that we're focusing on things like spellings. And I mean, I'm not, uh, what's the opposite of a Luddite? I'm not one of those. I, I'm, not, I'm not trying to say, I'm not trying to say, if that's right, have I got that right? But, but I, I'm, I'm not saying, it just seems bonkers to me that the, the physical tools that children are using are exactly the same as I used 50 years ago when I was in primary school. The kids are still using a slight upgrade of a big pen and a pencil, but technology has moved on 
in infinite, infinite amounts. Uh, that's an imperial infinite amount, not a metric in, uh, infinite <laughs> amount. Um, in 50 years, half a century. All right, I'm not quite. Okay, not quite. Maybe 40 years. But going back 50 years, it would have been the same. And the, the, it, the point I think is about the proximal use. Why aren't we saying to kids, just put your writing onto, uh, just do your writing on a tablet or a laptop and we're going to mark it. Why are we getting children to write it out by hand? It, for me, just beggars belief. Mm -hmm. if, you want, if we want children to do a nice bit of calligraphy because we think this will be a useful thing to have, then let them have a bit of calligraphy as a nice art lesson and you can and the children can learn the skills and they can do some beautiful calligraphy and it can be mounted and they can write out a poem for mothering sunday or whatever it is but why aren't we using letting children use what as adults we're using all the time i barely write a note to the milkman i don't write a note to the milkman because i don't have a milkman but if i did have a milkman i would might be typing it or texting it that i wanted four extra pints of skimmed milk you know so i i just honestly think it's bonkers and it is and it's absolutely driven by the sats tests which have to be handwritten and so the whole scheme is all this idea about well they're going to be tested on their handwriting and the number of Ofsted reports that talk about presentation as a reason to downgrade schools I think is is absolutely infuriating I think it is I hope nobody from Ofsted is listening but it, <laughs> it just makes me despair it's one of those things that you can spot the children's handwriting wasn't very neat you think well you wait till you see mine <laughs> you think that for you you think that seven-year-old's got a problem with their handwriting you watch my handwriting no but but i'm a fully functioning well debatable i'm an adult <laughs> i have a job my handwriting is not so great i don't know why we are continuing as if this technology doesn't exist and here ended the, the third lecture i am stepping off my irritated soapbox <laughs> yeah i hear you ray i mean with the Ofsted comment that I think presentation is a weird one as well because there is a very clear sort of difference between a child who's struggling to write neatly and, a, and uh, a child who is being allowed to not take pride in their work. There is a real difference. You can see when a child is making an effort with presentation. If books look a complete show you know, it's just, you can see there's no pride in what they're doing. That's a very different message from somebody who's just struggling to write neatly. And as, a, yeah. as, a, as somebody who really struggles to write neatly, I broke my hand really badly as a teenager, I completely oh. smashed my thumb to pieces. Really? My handwriting is appalling, absolutely right. appalling. Yeah. Um, if I wrote in a year six book, yeah. You would be you would be working towards Emma. Yeah, I would. I would. But I would but it would all laid out neatly because I'd take pride in what I'm doing, but it yeah. would look an absolute show. Yeah. But there are so many children who are you know have have these same sort of challenges and yet wouldn't it be amazing if you we just gave I mean technology has even moved on beyond a laptop or a, a, a little iPad the children could use voice recognition software and it all gets laid out in front of them. We could have incredible communicators if they were just allowed to go from reading, then voice or talking, then voice to here's what I want to communicate. And we're stifling them as if what we have currently is really going to set them up for the future. And it isn't. Do not write essays by hand of an evening, Ray, just to... Uh, do not write essays by hand of an evening. I really don't. I don't know many adults who do. And, and oh, precisely. The um, argument carries on, doesn't it, into sort of GCSE A-level where they have to write at length for hours. In yeah. Exams, and you just think those... Can almost it's it's, yeah, physically, physically demanding and technically unnecessary because... 
guess what, everybody? The technology has emerged beyond <laughs> what I had 40 years ago. <laughs> it does make me laugh that the pencils in primary school are even the same make, shape, yes, colour. Yes, I have nothing said against a Stadler. They are the best. I mean, I am so sad that I show children in assembly how a Stadler is made. And I tell them how much it costs because I won't have them bitten. They're not to bite them. Tempting though it is. And it's an, a gorgeous texture if you bite a, a pencil. But I, I, don't want them, I don't want them ruined. Have you seen that documentary about the factory where they're made? I, 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 I haven't seen an entire documentary. I mean, it, it's, I have seen a three minute film. If, if in your world that's a documentary, I don't know. <laughs> in, my, in my lack of attention world. No, I genuinely watched a whole programme. It was, a, I think it was one of those life swap programmes. Somebody, somebody went to live abroad and, and, and the, the father of the family did a swap and he ended up working in the pencil factory. Love it. And there was a whole thing about life in another country. Or I need to sleep more and drink less. <laughs> May have imagined it. <laughs> anyway, so we want to change AI and digital tech. We're not, we've not touched on AI, but we want to change the way that we use tech in schools. Your school is, a nice segue here, a change yep. maker school, right? It is a change maker school. So yeah. what, what is a change maker school? So we are at the beginning of our journey as to being a change maker school. Um, but the values of a change maker school are empathy, creativity, collaboration and teamwork. And within the curriculum, you find ways to ensure that young people are able to have voice choice and agency and that they're able to find ways to think about let's say problems that they're going to want to solve so we uh, have worked with David Price on project-based learning so that children are able to direct some of their own learning and their outputs um, but the aim of Ashoka um, we, who is uh, the organization behind Changemaker Schools, the network of the 10 Changemaker Schools in the country. Um, the, the, uh, the original idea is about social entrepreneurialism for good. So young people learning how to be innovators and entrepreneurs to benefit society. And so as the Changemaker School, we will be we'll be doing more of it because as i say we're just at the beginning the spinney's curriculum was um perhaps richer in the this type of thinking and the curriculum reflected that um but we'll be looking in due course about uh, to the elements that ensure that young people have this sense of purpose and the citizenship piece the the north of the compass so that they feel empowered to make change. And um, one of the things that we certainly used to say is we want children to be happy today, fulfilled in the future, and able to make their world an even better place. And why we say their world instead of the world uh, a better place is because that's too big a task to ask of anybody to make the world a better place. But if children, for example, feel that they have a locus of control over relationships, even if they're able to change and make positive decisions about relationships, they're able to change things for the better. If they feel that they have that sense of agency, that's part of what we mean about being a change maker. We know that there are change makers in society. Um, we are we have some fantastic role models for change makers, which we share with the children, such as R Megan Rapinoe um, is a, an amazing uh, football player, but also an incredible uh, change maker. Greta Thunberg is an amazing uh, change maker. Marcus Rashford is the most phenomenal change maker. Uh, Colin Kaepernick, uh, Kaepernick, an amazing change maker. So people that are inspiring young people to make change. And what we know is that 
um, there are movements, huge movements that are worldwide now through through the power of social media. Uh, the Black Lives Matter is now seven years old and that was started through an online campaign using the hashtag and now it's evolved not only as something people talk about but people questioning all the time about their decision making and their inclusion so it is having a radical change um, uh, for the better so um, we just want young people to feel and young people are leading you know that the, there are more there are more change maker activities in the last 10 years than they have been over the last 100 years whether it's around climate change or social justice or homelessness or food um, food safe food security and our young people have a role to play in improving society but whether it's a big thing or a small thing um all young people need to feel empowered to be agents of their own destiny there's a really neat link here, Ray, because you were saying about using technology um, and using the tools that young people use. And actually, some of the some of our youngest change makers have been so successful because they've harnessed the power of technology, social media, which some of the so we say more experienced older generations in power haven't yeah. recognised the sheer power yeah. and force of yeah. the digital world and so actually yeah. our, our very young people are able to make huge and significant change through yeah. that digital media aren't they I, absolutely right and um they're also learning i think through social media that uh how they can collaborate and collaborate at speed so movements that want to meet suddenly can just connect with each other and then uh, overnight a huge group of people can be outside the the civic hall protesting and and making their voices heard and that sense i i think i i mean i, I I am, a, as you know, an optimist. I'm a, I describe myself as a radical optimist, which is to say I recognize all of the challenges that they are, but I'm also seeing some incredible hope for the future. Mm. And what I love about social media is we met through social media. <laughs> People meet through social media. The entire education festival is populated. I use the word populated, but it is curated by being able to slide into somebody's DMs. And this whole world that opens up that is non-hierarchical, where if I want to ask a question to the landscape about how I do anything, I can just ask and people will respond. And young people, I hope, are entering the world where they don't have that fear of hierarchies and um, the establishment because I think they hopefully will start to see that that they are uh, that they're, the next generation come through that coming through have rights they have a right to be heard and they have a right to challenge and they have a right to do something about it and as you know um, only connect is my mantra which is also my next question. <laughs> it's going to be your next question. Oh, Please, do you want to? Have I stopped you? Right, you can ask the next question, no, and then I. You teed that one up beautifully, Ray. Because my next question was your hashtag only connect is one from which lots of people may benefit. What is the thinking behind it? Which we've kind of covered. Well, yes. So, so I think it does. It is about the benefits of making those connections and feeling. Um, feeling confident in yourself that nothing bad ever happens. If you don't ask, you don't get. If you don't ask, you don't know. That's the title of one of the chapters in my book. What is it? Is you it? don't get, yeah. And I've, I've quoted my mum in it. It's my mum's favourite ever saying, if you don't ask, you don't get. And I've actually put it as the chapter and underneath it says Reet Turner, which is my mum's name. And, so, and it's called, if you don't ask, you don't get. That's right. <laughs> Well, Emma, you, you know this world because you are active in this world and it is a way of being yeah. and a way of, I find it very grounding um, because 
I'm not too much in my head about asking people, just reaching out. And people are fully entitled to say no or not a chance. But I think that um, what I, I mean, there's two things really. One is only connecting for the purposes of, like you do your beautiful new ed event, which I think is just gorgeous and glorious. I'm a big, big fan of what you do. I love it. It's uh, just so generous and kind and embracing for young people entering our profession. So I love that. Um, so there's the one side of it is the is how we can reach out. We can learn by making these connections. If we put aside our fears about it, we find that for the large part people are friendly. They 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 welcome uh, they welcome connection. We are socially attuned it's as Brené Brown says we are programmed to connect so that's one side of it the other side of the only connect is is a slightly bigger piece around um, another hashtag that I used which is network the networks uh, because I see for for educational transformation there are many different networks who are thinking and questioning a bit like our young people I suppose uh, they're still young people, uh, about whether we've got education right, whether it's correct that a minister who's in in position for 18 months, uh, with the help of advisors, etc., is able to set the policy direction for the nation, and they may not have a background or they don't have a background, they're not trained teachers, they're not educators, but they are setting the policy. And the revolving door at the DfE means that from maximum of about 18 months uh, we have one secretary of state for education then another one comes along and so it feels like we're at this political football but the real experts like you would if we were a whole group of doctors and somebody came along and said right this is the way to do medicine you'd be saying whoa there a minute we're the doctors we're on the front line I think we know a bit about it there are lots of educators who are very principled, very experienced and talented, but they're not really able to shape the debate, which is why something like the Charter College is amazing. Um, but there are all these different groups, the Chartered College, New Ed, Women's Ed, um, LGBT Ed, all of these different groups. It would be fab fabulous if they could come together, which is... The piece about only connect and so one of the things that i'm starting to say on twitter which i'm thinking about as having my my pinned tweet is um if we focus all our attention on connecting the system rather than changing the system we will change the system mm. so networking and connecting and finding similarities and differences but showing up showing that we are uh, greater than the sum of our parts we need a 16 percent of the workforce in order to reach that tipping point point of a voice you know the naht is another group askles is another group unions are another group but what is it that we can unify around that means that we become the agents or we become the authors for the future. And uh, just what I would say, a, a, a group that I'm really excited to see what's going to happen with is the Foundation for Education Development. So anybody who's listening to this, I would recommend that they just uh, look for FED, Foundation of Education Development, because they're doing some really interesting thing. And their networks are fantastic because they pull in previous secretaries of state for education. They're talking to people like... Um, uh, Christine Gilbert and um, uh, uh, Baroness Estelle Morris and, and, and so there's a richness to their conversation and they're also doing these great uh, round tables across the country in preparation for the launch of their uh, document in, in March I think which will be a call for a different a different narrator I suppose I'm sure they put it differently um, but, but educators being able to reclaim the narrative 
um, around education policy. I think this is very important. And that is my other reason for talking about hashtag only connect. It's almost like all the eds need to come together and be an ed ed. <laughs> education. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Ed -ed. Yeah. I mean, ed ed, exactly. I mean, for the moment, if you want to check out fed, which is fed. nearly just ed ed, check out fed. <laughs> oh, I, I cannot kind of overestimate not overestimate overemphasize the whole connection thing because i got onto twitter as well my boss basically said get on there it's quite good i bet you can't get a thousand followers that's what he said <laughs> I'm, I'm a sucker for a challenge i'm <laughs> never give me a dare because <laughs> i'll do it i can imagine Emma. <laughs> and so i went on there just to kind of go ah well and then Kind of fell in love with it i was just like this yes is I love it. and like you say the the no hierarchies the generosity yeah. of people the knowledge that you can tap into you can ask one question yeah. and instead of falling down a weird google rabbit hole what you're really tapping into is you're opening these amazing doorways to these corridors full of knowledge yeah. and skill and expertise yeah and yes that's right and I've, I've never known anything like yeah. it I know that some people and well, um, um, I know that some people can can use social media in a not particularly kind way. Some people like to have a little bit of a squirrel on there. But as on the on the whole, it's the most amazing tool and has meant yeah. things like New Ed have grown out of nowhere, which is beneficial. Yes, that's right. yeah. out of New Ed has sprung um, Scott Ed. Scott Ed used all of the material. Oh. Um, Darren got in touch with me and said, oh, you know, could you help me set up Scott Ed? So I went to a Brew Ed, which set up New Ed, which set up Scott Ed, which is <laughs> just like the whole amazing. thing. Amazing. That's amazing. I love that. Like shivers my knees. I love that. <laughs> it's absolutely and We were talking and we were talking just how many gorgeous people there are in education. Yeah. It's just there are they're they're all lovely. They're just brilliant, brilliant people in education that you can connect to. Teachers are fantastic. I'm a big fan of teachers. Talk up teaching. Um, but there yeah. was a, there was a question on Twitter the other night. Somebody put out there. This is not one of my questions, by the way. That we were going to talk about. It's just something I remembered. Um, and they said, if you could have any Twitter teacher teach your own child, who would you pick? And I genuinely right. wrangled with it for hours. Great question. Because I was thinking, yeah. there are so many brilliant, brilliant yeah. people that if I had to stand there and they were all lined up and I had to hand my child over, I'd be absolutely spoiled for choice. You would. You <laughs> absolutely would. Where would you start? I mean, the brilliant yeah. question. What a great question. I love that question. <laughs> if you could get anybody you know off Twitter to teach your children. <laughs> mine were brilliant my, my eldest is crazy she's crazy about science absolutely loves science she's properly both football and science so i said oh nimish lad can teach her i don't know if you know nimish she's oh, yes. secondary science teacher. yes and then yeah, my great. middle one is just dance and the show must go on and so i was like oh it's got to be alfie bash <laughs> the dancing teacher for her oh can you imagine that would be gorgeous and then yeah our, wouldn't that be lovely and my little one is an amazing artist. He's only four, but he loves art. Just is really, really creative little soul. And we've got an amazing art teacher called Adele yeah. Tarrington in our trust. You might, if you don't follow her, Ray, you must follow her. She's, if you tell right. she's Mrs. 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 Dahl, Adele Darlington. Yeah, right, yeah. Oh, yes, I do follow, I do follow her. She's awesome. Yeah, she's amazing. She works in our trust. And I was like, well, I'd give him to her. So I that's amazing. How wonderful. For hours. And then I said, but so I she's a real person and everything. You've met her. She works in our trust in one of our schools. That's amazing. No, I do follow her. There's the um the the number of art teachers that is just and their work is incredible. I just love seeing the ideas and the creativity. Her post about EYFS photography this week. I mean, yes, it might have been in this morning. It's one of those days where it seems like about three days ago. But she did a post yes. about her EYFS photography project about line. 
Oh my god! Wow, I'm going to have to check that out. I didn't. I haven't been on Twitter today. Beautiful, absolutely beautiful. Or I might have done, but I, I don't think I've seen that. I can't remember. <laughs> don't follow. I do it Any listeners who don't follow Adele Darlington, even if you're not an art teacher, yeah. just follow her because her work yeah. will lift your spirits and bring you great joy. She's awesome. Anyway. I've mentioned some of your stories from Brewhead Heart, and one of them that I remember was that you've you've lived all over the place, haven't you? All around the world. I did. Yes, I did. I did yeah, I did as a child, particularly, and then a little bit as an adult in Spain and Greece. Yeah, <laughs> in lots of different countries. And are you yes, because I was talking about I, I was talking about how um, I think that because of having such a peripatetic childhood it meant that I had to learn to make friends quickly mm. and uh, I, I wonder whether that is uh, why I'm I can uh, I'm not afraid of going up to somebody and saying hi I don't know you but you look like somebody I might like <laughs> so, and that perhaps is where the only connect comes in I'm quite fearless about making I, I don't I don't I don't um yeah, I, I don't, I'm not shy about making friends. No, I, I used it sounds to be, a bit dodgy, doesn't it? I tell you, I it sounds a bit dodgy. I was terribly shy as a child. Really, Were you? really shy. When I was a very little child, I wouldn't speak to anybody. I think I'm up for it now. Gosh, but, yeah. That's uh, amazing, because, yeah, I think you are making up for it now. You're doing really well. <laughs> I think the phrase is overcompensating. <laughs> anyway, my favourite, my all-time favourite story that you've ever told, Ray, I'd love you if you shared it with everybody, was about when you went to Liz's house. When oh. You, when you went to see Her Majesty the Queen. Well, yeah, well, that was, that was quite a, yeah, it was quite a great experience. It really was, yeah. Uh, so, and the reason why was because for some amazing read reason, I was asked to be a member of the Department for Education's uh, primary head teachers reference group, which is why I literally know there's a revolving door at the uh, DFE because I had the opportunity to meet and work with several sec secretaries of state for nine nine years, and uh, and then when I finished my term of office. Um, and I think I'd stayed a, a bit longer than I was supposed to, but presumably they liked me. Um, I was invited to, uh, yeah, to go to the Queen's garden party, which was just such a, a really, really lovely experience. <laughs> and uh, yeah, it was, um, yeah, it, it was a great experience. I might, I might just, because I don't want, I might not tell the story no, of, uh, no. no, I won't tell the full I actually, story. No, I was actually thinking of the lovely story with the umbrella and the rain and the queue and the nurse. Which was lovely. Oh, do you, you, need, do you know, there you go, that's my memory, the lovely story. The, 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 yeah, oh, that story. <laughs> yes, oh my goodness, that was the story after I came back. Yeah. That's absolutely right. Yeah. You remember that story. You might have to tell that story because I've only got, I slightly forgotten that. I remember the. You were in the queue for the taxi. And That's it was right. Dipping it down with rain. You, yes. It's coming and back to me now. Keep telling the story. And you're tipping down the rain, and there was a lady with no brolly, and you shared the brolly. That's right. And it turned out she was a nurse. That's right. Yeah. And she was on the cancer ward that had treated my colleague yeah. and she said and she said something like I've asked all of these people if I could stand under their brolly and they wouldn't let me the fuckers but you've let me stand that's it but you've let me stand under under your brolly and she said to me I'm a bit tipsy because I've just been at a party and I said I'm a bit tipsy because I've just been to visit the queen <laughs> and uh, she was very grateful to me and I said she said to me what do you do I said oh, I'm a head teacher and she said I said what do you do she said I'm a cancer nurse 
And it really was very sad that none, uh, she was a little bit the worse for wear, like I was. And none of these people had let her share the umbrella and it was absolutely tipping it down. And then we'd had this conversation and, uh, and then she just, she just said, it, your school, it isn't in such and such a place, is it? And I said, yes, it is. And she said, this person is my, yeah, is my friend. And we just found that con it was another only connect moment. But it, it does show that, that thing about, uh, yeah, I guess caring for other people because you don't know who they are and everyone you meet is carrying a burden you know nothing about. Yeah. And just be kind, really. I had as after hearing you say that story on the way back from holiday, we we're flying back. Um, yeah. We've got three small children, so I walk on a plane and everybody goes, Oh God, please don't let them miss yes. us. <laughs> don't sit next to me. <laughs> You've never seen many more people trying to avert their eyes. Yeah. <laughs> absolutely. This lady on the plane, and it made me think of your story because there was me and my youngest, and then the two behind with my with my husband, and then I got talking to this lady and said, I'm really sorry, you know, lots of children, they will behave. And she was like, oh, don't worry about it. And she turned out to be a nurse also. And she was holidaying in Spain on her own um, to recover from doing a ridiculous number of shifts over a ridiculous number of months wow. in a very overstretched department. Wow. She said, I just needed to get away. Gosh. And then I got talking to her about that. I was working in education and, and she said that her daughter was just about to start teach training. Anyway, so I said, yeah. oh, I'm about, I, I'm, I do this thing called New Ed, da, da, da. gave her the detail, wrote the details in the back of the of, back of a book that I was reading. Because oh. she said, oh, what are you reading? I said, oh, it's a brilliant book, really, really yeah. good book. I said, why don't you have it? And I'll write down the details for New Ed in it. Gave her this book oh. that I finished reading. Yeah. And her daughter was at New Ed. <laughs> Oh my God. I love that so much. Yeah, that to me is, that to me is only connect. Yeah. That's, that's absolutely why I believe in this stuff. It's the, the, and the cosmos does amazing things. If you believe in the importance of connecting, taking the time out with that limbic system, really getting into their brain and they're getting into your brain and you're making that eye contact and you're connecting human to human and story to story. Yeah, and she ended up talking to my youngest all the way. She was, and she was oh. like, oh, I'm a, she said, I was just going to sit here and have a gin and tonic. She said, I'm having this lovely time. And I've got a book. <laughs> oh, that's so lovely. I love that. Oh. We're, all, we're all human beings with stories to tell. Exactly, which is what we were talking about before we came on, wasn't it, Ray? <laughs> it was. Indeed, it was. Neatly all the way back round again. What a lovely Am story. Amazing. How do you do that, Emma? No, you're so good at this. <laughs> really not. Phil sees my name on the schedule and goes, "Oh God!" <laughs> but thank you so much, Ray. We've covered so much. We've thanks, Emma. It's been really fun. It's been. I mean, when you when uh, the name is brilliant because it is a natter, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. But this is this is really an interview. It's just a natter, and I've really enjoyed it. Thank you. <laughs> It's been a pleasure to talk to you. We've covered that much ground. Change makers, digital technology, curriculum, limbic systems, professors, trips to space. <laughs> We've been everywhere. Yeah. Around the world. We've been everywhere. In 80 rays. <laughs> oh, I like what you did there. Let's quit. Well, let's quit now while you're ahead. Yeah, okay. <laughs> Lovely to talk to you, Ray. Oh, before you go, where can, uh, where can people find you? They can find me at Ray Snape on Twitter and they can find me on LinkedIn and you can find me on Facebook and you can find me in my school if you're visiting. And what's your next big project? Well, my next project is tune in next uh, Tuesday, the 8th of December, where I am going to be speaking to three fabulous um, movers and shakers, uh, Priya Lakhani and... Um, uh, uh, Kerry McKenzie and Liz Robinson who are going to be joining me for a smiley talks uh, I've recently been made the very first ever ambassador for the smiley movement smiley talks and it's all about uh, positivity and what we can do and the question for the talk is if education is a gift we give our young people to take into the future what should the present look like? 
Oh, that's clever. <laughs> I like that. Isn't that clever? Very much. Do you like that? I did that. Do you like that? I love it. So we're going to be, I'm going to be inviting my guests to look back at their own education, to think about the present through COVID and what we're experiencing now, and think about the year 2040, when our children who are in foundation stage will be entering the workplace. And what should we be doing now in order to prepare them for this digital, social, connected future? Oh, and is that a series? Is it a one-off or is it a uh, the, So the, the Smiley Talks is a series. Uh, this is the second of our Smiley Talk. The first one was with Adrian Bethune and Flora Barton and Peter Hyman from School 21. And it's had over 120,000 views, I believe. So um, I don't know how that happened, but there we go. Uh, so we are looking to continue the series and uh, I'll have to get you on there sometime as well, Emma. <laughs> what, with the tea trolley? <laughs> Just <laughs> not to come. Not with the tea trolley, with your brilliant stories about how you are supporting young teachers to, <laughs> to get into this brilliant profession. Oh, thank you, Ray. I shall look forward to that and Smiley Talks and general fabulousness and hopefully cam's ed fest 21 maybe here's hoping it might be online but here's hoping flamingos crossed right Flam <laughs> all flamingos crossed exactly that yeah oh thanks so much Ray. well this has been fabulous so thank you very much thank you and, my uh, darling. I yeah i've really enjoyed it take care emma bye, -bye. bye. thanks for having me thank you bye. Miller's Netter, just talking to teachers. Talking to teachers about academic research and evidence-based practice with continuing professional development at PNA1977 on Twitter. Miller's Netter, just talking to teachers.